The Adam Crowley Show. What is that? It's there's some still. Oh, there's some still stuck to my mouth. Get rid of it. I can't. It's awful. Okay. Uh, should we? Uh, I heard a little bit of Harry Carey. Uh, uh, Adam Crowley uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh. If I sound like I'm coming off a three-day bender, it's because I was sending it all weekend. My God, my liver hates me. And my colon. And my lungs. And because it was so hot, my skin. Because I got a little burnt. What a mess that was. It was fun. But being a terrible drunk does not make a weekend relaxing. I survived, though. Hopefully you did, too. It is the Crowley Show, where your mom listens in. Hey, you should, too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. A lot to get to, including stories of my bender over the weekend. If you find that interesting, great. If not, well, then screw you. I love drama and sports. It's why I watch the games. It's why I would watch cricket. It's why I watch horse racing. Horse racing, it's built in. Uh, It's why I would watch Frolf if it's close and at the end. It's why I watch golf on Sundays if it's close and at the end. I love drama in sports, and nothing creates more drama, I think, than the end of a winner-take-all game if the game is close. Now, I'm not a sports shamer. If you're into soccer, good for you. If you're into golf or frol for curling or greased pig chasing, I don't care. I won't tell you what to watch, and I won't tell you what not to watch. But, just being honest, as I always am, the NBA hadn't been doing it for me these playoffs. In the Warriors series, seven games were played. It's supposed to make it good, right? Not to me. 13, 22, 41, 3, 4, 19, Those were the final score differentials. The average of the games was 16 points. Only two close games in the bunch. In the Cleveland series, it was 25, 13, 39, 13, 10, and 8. The average difference in those games was almost 16. Same as the Western Conference Finals. That's ass! LeBron, Steph, Paul, Harden, Durant, Clay, Green, Ariza, Love. There's a lot of good basketball players. But it didn't add up to a lot of good games. At least not close games in the fourth quarter. I watched because I like the NBA. I watched because I like basketball. I watched because both series went seven games. But they went seven in an anticlimactic fashion. Everyone knew that Golden State was going to come back in last night's game. Everyone. And if they didn't, they were trying to play it up. They did it the game before. The game before. They did the same thing. Now all of a sudden we're going to think they can't do it in a Game 7? Come on. And while that moment was exciting, I'll give you that. When Golden State was throttling him, coming back, full tilt, that was exciting. But the outcome was determined far before the game reached the last few minutes. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs have been far better to watch this year. And I am a hockey guy first and foremost, I'll admit it. But these playoffs haven't given you much in the NBA in the way of drama. They just haven't. LeBron and Steph getting pushed to seven means that I'll watch. They were both great in their game sevens, and that's nice to watch. 
but it lacked the drama as the game wore down. That means something to me, because I'm a junkie, addicted to drama in sports, and the NBA didn't provide enough for me. I don't know if you guys know this, but starting Thursday night, it will be the first time that the Warriors and the Cavs have met in the NBA Finals since 2017. It's only their fourth meeting since 2015. So the outcome is predetermined. And the games that are deciding it aren't close. What makes it worth watching then? The stars. Okay, you got me there. But for me, that's only half the equation. 412-922-2874. Joe Madden, this guy, that stupid-ass manager for the Chicago Cubs who wears those fake-ass glasses, he wants to play by the old rules and not the new rules. Here's his quote for the Rizzo takeout slide of Diaz. That's how you should teach your kids to slide and break up a double play. The catcher's got a clear path. You have to teach proper technique. He's got to get out farther. He's got to keep his foot on the plate clear because that's absolutely what can happen. You know why? Because it happened to me, and the same thing happened. The ball went down the right field corner. My concern there was that they were going to attempt to review it in the same way you review it at second base, whereas there's no base sticking up that you can hold on to. And quote, Madden is actually right in one portion here. That's a play that should not be reviewable. But now the NBA, pardon me, oh no, oh no, they got me, Freudian slip. Now the MLB is coming out and saying, actually, the umpire should have called it on the field the opposite way. It should have been interference. It wasn't something that's within the rule book and was, therefore, illegal. Hey, how about that? It was illegal. You were wrong, Joe Madden. Usually I don't care whenever you've got sports leagues come out and say something after the fact. It usually just pisses me off. Usually it just makes me want to pull my hair out. Oh, really? You screwed up? Jerry Meals? Well, thanks for telling us three days later after the Pirates lose in 18 innings. It doesn't help very much right now. But in this case, because Joe Madden's wrong, because the league admits that Joe Madden's wrong, oh, he'll get into my veins. That guy is such a prick face, man. Everything that he thinks is right, everyone everyone else thinks is wrong. I play baseball. I'm a manager in baseball. I know everything. I wear glasses to appear smarter. Well, Joe Madden, you're wrong. It's an illegal play, period. It was a takeout slide. It's one thing if it's a bang-bang play and the throw brings Diaz to the plate. It's one thing if Diaz is blocking the plate. It's a whole other thing when Rizzo changes his path, makes it harder to get to the plate, and takes out Diaz's knees and ankles. Let me repeat that again. He made it harder for himself to get to the plate. Instead of making the priority getting to the base, he made the priority knocking out the legs of the catcher. It's a chicken bleep move. Now, I don't think that Rizzo did this to hurt Diaz. I think he did just want to screw up the double play. But it is illegal. It's against the rules. And therefore, I'm interested to see how the league responds. Will he be suspended? Will they be warned? Will Joe Madden be suspended? Probably not. But we're supposed to find out almost momentarily here. And you can keep it locked in on the Crowley Show. We'll get you up to date on all that. It was a chicken bleep move, though, defended by a chicken bleep manager. Joe Madden once called a slide on Zheng Ho Gung clean and the result of the play, plantar fasciitis. He's an ass clown. A lot of managers in ball are old school. You have to play the game this way. You have to play the game that way. 
But that was the old way the game was played. The game has changed. Some of the rules have changed. And he manages and speaks like the game is still played the way it was 100 years ago. Man, you got to protect each other out there. Rizzo didn't because his manager's a crap person. The Pirates didn't retaliate even though they lost 7-0, which is also probably chicken bleep. I always am conflicted in these circumstances. You hate to be the fan of the baseball team that doesn't stick up for one of their own players. You hate to be the fan whenever Rich Rodriguez does not throw at the back of Anthony Rizzo. But I also hate to be the guy who asks for the team to take the pound of flesh. I just said you got to protect your fellow man out there. Well, throwing a ball at his back ain't exactly protecting him. But if the league's not going to protect everyone, then you sure as bleep better protect your own. And that's what I feel like the Pirates missed an opportunity to do yesterday. Joe Cora, David Freeze, they got into it in the dugout, presumably about whether the Pirates should have taken that pound of flesh or not. I think the Pirates missed a huge opportunity to say, we're not taking your cubby bullcrap again last night. And they have to do something today. And maybe it's still too late. I think you have to do that immediately, as soon as possible. But Richard Rodriguez, come on, man. He chickened out. And now it falls on whose shoulders? Nick Kingham today. First inning, Rizzo up to bat. And, well... We shall see. Tonight, I think Kingham needs to put one in the smaller Rizzo's back. Because if the league won't do anything, and Madden still thinks it's part of the game, then the Pirates need to show they disagree. Period. And they're in the right here. Because the league said so. Will Graves of the AP going to join us in the 6 o'clock hour today to discuss. Speaking of dirty jackals, Tom Wilson is what he is, man. It's game one of the Stanley Cup final. He got the invitation. He was there. His team made it, and he did what he does. Last night's game between Vegas and Washington was tremendous television. It was a highly entertaining game by two franchises that have yet to win a championship. There was a frantic, frenetic energy and pace from the start of the game, really, until the finish. There were 10 goals scored, and there were... A plethora of other chances that didn't go in, hit the post, big saves by the goalie. It was everything that you should hope for as a hockey fan. In fact, I saw a bunch of people who never watch hockey tweeting about it. For the first time in a long time, the NHL had the eyes of some casual fans, especially before the NBA game came on. Vegas, a new hockey market, put on a great show before the game, and the teams put on a great hockey show. There was, however, just one little teeny tiny problem. All the casual fans watching puck. Maybe for the first time all season, see what? Brutal assault. Tom Wilson taking another run, this time at Jonathan Marchessault, who's got assault in his name. It's kind of his own fault. He never saw it coming. And that's because the puck had been off his stick for a second and a half before the hit. Now, Tom Wilson said, quote, it was a clean hit in playoff hockey, end quote. He was admiring his pass, end quote. Wilson doesn't know what the line is, or he clearly doesn't care. For any Washington apologists who were sticking up for Wilson before, we good now? We done? Grant Paulson? Our buddy who works for the fan in Washington, D.C., he couldn't even bring himself 
to stick up for that guy last night. But the problem is, he stuck up for him before. And the problem is, a lot of people in Washington stuck up for him before. And the problem is, even further, that a lot of people, old guard hockey people, stuck up for him time and time before. And if you keep giving a guy like that chances, he's going to continue to hurt people. But you know what this does for me? Not to be selfish. Not to make it all about myself. It makes me realize, guys, that your buddy Ryan Reeves, he's not a deterrent. We can put an end to that narrative. A small faction of Penguins fans said that Tom Wilson would not have taken out Zach Aston Reese if Reeves was still on the Penguins when that all went down. And then you had George Stupid LaRock tweeting out, Oh, the Capitals, they would have lost had you been there, Ryan Reeves. You would have made all the difference. Stoggy was on with Stan last week, and he said that Reeves would have made Wilson think twice about hitting Dumo and Aston Reese. Well, looks like that narrative can finally go to dot. I don't believe in tough guys being deterrents. Alexiak tried to fight Wilson, and Wilson said, no, thank you. That's all he would have needed to do to Reeves. Plus, Reeves wouldn't have been playing anyhow because the Penguins didn't have a system that he fit in. Reeves did not scare Wilson enough not to kill March so last night, did he? The Pens fans who were peddling the nonsense narrative that Reeves would stop the violence realized that they were wrong last night. So you know what they tried to do? They tried to move the goalposts. They tried to ch- change that conversation. Benzie was retweeting people who said that Reeves was a good fourth liner, and that's why the Penguins screwed up. Not because he was a deterrent that they didn't have anymore, but because Reeves is actually a good hockey player. I had similar mentions on Twitter.com. And look, Ryan Reeves in the Vegas Golden Knights fourth line was excellent in last night's game. But that shouldn't make you think it was a bad idea to trade for Derek Broussard, because it wasn't. Reeves has six goals in 86 games this year. He played less than any other player on Vegas in Game 5 against Winnipeg. He's not the difference in the Penguins being here and not. He doesn't score. He's lucky he didn't get called for a cross-check on his only goal of this game. 540 games and 33 career goals for Ryan Reeves. So the Penguins... They did the right thing. Jason Mackey is going to join me next to discuss the Penguins' fourth line. Do they really miss Ryan Reeves? And, of course, we're going to talk in great detail about what happened last night. It was fabulous for the sport of hockey, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Unlike when I was watching the NBA game. It's Crowley Show. Attention, citizens. Just when you thought your fried chicken values were safe, Taco Bell's Naked Chicken Chalupa is back with a vengeance. This time it's joined by a new, spicy, wilder version, a.k.a. the Hot Daddy-O, a.k.a. the Flaming Phoenix, a.k.a. Saucy Shelly. So if Taco Bell offers you a hit of a new wild Naked Chicken Chalupa, a.k.a. the Spicy Chicken Choop Choop, say there's nothing boss about spicy sauce. Brought to you by the Council for Eating Fried Chicken the same way you always have and not Taco Bell. For a limited time at participating locations. Have you ever been so drunk? Oh, yeah. And so smart at the same time, All the time. <laughs> that you need to get nicotine. <laughs> but you know you're not going to drive, so you go out on a little walk. Oh, yes. Yeah. You did that. And then you forget how to get home. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you make it to the store at least? I was nicotine.
the Las Vegas Golden Knights are three wins away from being Stanley Cup champion. A lot of people are watching, too. Ratings up like 36% over the last two years, 7% up from last year. Vegas pulled a 28 rating and a 44 share. That means 44% of the people were watching that game. That's insane. Joining us now to discuss one of our favorites, Jason Mackey from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Mac Daddy, how are you? I'm doing great, pal. Thanks for having me. How you been? Thank you. I'm solid, man. That game had my attention from start to finish last night. It was perfect for the league, save for Tom Wilson. We'll get to that. But before we get to that, your initial thoughts on Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. I thought it was one of the most entertaining hockey games I've seen all year. I've seen a lot of them. Um, entertaining games in quite some time, too. Uh, the league could not possibly be happier with how this is all panning out. I think we're in for a great series, Adam. I really do. I, I, I like the way these teams match up. Um, you've got, and, and I guess what I should also say, too, is we get a lot of offense and back-and-forth stuff, and the goaltenders have been really, really good, too, and I think we'll get some flavors of that, too. So uh, I was so pleased with what I watched last night. Really enjoyed it. I thought the Wilson hit was crap, too. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into more of that, but um, just the, the view from 30,000 feet, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, and I want to keep the focus mainly on hockey before we get into the Wilson stuff because I do think that the game deserves to be talked about as the game and not just that moment. I was surprised that it wasn't a feeling-out process between both teams. I really thought that Game 1 might suck, and it couldn't have been farther from the truth. And obviously there's a Penguin theme there with Mr. Ryan Reeves popping a goal, although he should never have been given that opportunity. He still put one in the back of the net. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty egregious miss <laughs> on the official's part. I'll, I'll go with that one. Um, but... To your earlier point about not being much of a feeling out process, I, I thought the same thing. Um, I, I think they're both two really good teams. I just didn't expect Washington to, you know, kind of go at it the way they did with Vegas. And I'm not, I'm not saying they were trading chances, but it was kind of close. Um, you knew Vegas was going to want to play this way. I mean, they play such an entertaining brand of hockey. I love watching them. Uh, but if, if this is what we're going to get for six more games, hopefully, sign me up. Absolutely. Um, and, Vegas, I was, I've been really impressed since following them closer since the Penguins got eliminated. I've, I think I've watched every one of their games, but, um, what Reeves has been able to do, and I wrote about this this morning with, um, Pierre Edouard Belmar and Thomas Nosek, um, basically two no-name guys, and then you have Ryan Reeves. That fourth line's been really good for Vegas. I mean, they're, they're a deep team, I think, in forward spots one through nine. I think we'd probably argue that their fourth line isn't as good as anything the Penguins have, but, man, they've sure been more productive than what the Penguins got. I'll say that. Yeah, it's funny, and Jason Mackey joins us here on the Crowley Show. You would absolutely argue that, especially with Broussard down there, uh, that the Penguins had more talent, without a doubt, on their fourth line, but it just didn't work out. And that's a case of the Penguins putting good players down in their lineup as opposed to actually having a legit fourth line, uh, whereas this is a legit fourth line. These are guys who are paid to be fourth-line players, and they're doing a really good job of being fourth-line players. It's funny the whole way Vegas has come together, Jason. All these players mishmash together, the Island of Misfit toys, and they all work out, and then you look at the fourth line, and it's really the same thing there. Ryan Reeves shouldn't be scoring a goal to send his team to the Stanley Cup Final. He shouldn't be scoring a goal in the Stanley Cup Final, and yet here he is. 
Yeah, and I mean, we can sit here and talk about the cross-check, cross-check to the back of John Carlson. It's a completely valid point. I mean, it should have been called. The goal should have never happened, whatever. But to give Reeves some credit for a second, he was in the right area. You know, those guys routinely make smart fourth-line plays. They're not going to dazzle anybody with skill. But they go to the front of the net, they do simple things, they get pucks deep, they play defense, they're responsible, especially Belmar in that regard. Reeves brings some toughness that Vegas doesn't really have from other sources outside of, you know, maybe Derek Englund and, and one or two other guys. They are extremely valuable to that team, and it, it just short, sort of showed, like, the Penguins didn't need a fourth line to pile up goals. They just needed a fourth line to do exactly what we're talking about, to be better defensively, to, you know, generate some momentum and, and lean on people and hit some people. And um, credit to reason that line. They have it figured out, and they're doing the right things. Yeah, to your point about the fourth line needing to do more of what this fourth line is doing, you can't just play your three lines all the time, especially when you're back-to-back Stanley Cup champions and expect you're not going to be out of gas. Now, Vegas only played 15 games going into the last night, but there's 15 playoff hockey games. Guys are going to be tired. You just need to eat up ice time, eat up minutes. And uh, I'm wondering, Jason, if you think that the solution for the fourth line for the Penguins is going to come externally or internally. Um, tough to say. I think it, it depends a little bit on the market. I wrote in what I wrote today about, uh, I just sort of floated the idea toward the end of it. It wasn't like, you know, hey, breaking news, they're going to do that. It's, it's, it's just somebody like Chris Coon, who is now very clearly a fourth liner. The Penguins could use somebody, one of those veterans, one of those salt-of-the-earth guys um, that could kind of stabilize things. If Tampa has no interest in bringing Kunitz back, would the Penguins bring him back for one or two million a year, one-year deal? I'd hope so. I mean, that's the kind of veteran guy that would be really effective in that line. Um, if they don't, you know, I think that's probably all the more you want to allocate to that position, you know, one or two million bucks if you can get a veteran like Kunitz to come in and do something like that. Um, but if they can't get that guy out of, I think it'll be an internal solution. Uh, they really like Zach Aston Reese. They're going to bring back Riley Shane. Um, I know some fans might feel differently, but I do think the Penguins feel very strongly about Tom Kuhnackle. And there are some other guys uh, in Wilkesbury this year, and, and JSD and Teddy Bluger and Adam Johnson, um, who may fit sort of a, a fourth-line tryout kind of role. Um, and don't forget about Brian Rust, too. If you're bringing in Daniel Sprung, Rust becomes available. If you're playing Rust and Shane together on the fourth line, I, I kind of like that, no matter who the third wheel is. Yeah, I love that idea. And, in fact, that's what I would like to see be the ultimate solution. Jason Mackey joining us here uh, on the Crowley Show. Now back to the hockey game from last night where – we saw Tom Wilson be Tom Wilson. Comes all the way over from the right wing to the left wing to levy his hit on Jonathan Marchessault, uh, who he says was admiring his own pass. Uh, maybe there was a little of that going on. It doesn't mean you completely bail on your position to try to kill a guy, which is to me what he did. And all the people who stuck up for him, all the Washington media who did it before, you got to eventually say, okay, enough's enough. This guy continues to do it. Why do we stick up for this man? I know. I know. I, I don't understand it. And I mean, I do understand the Washington media's perspective, you know, just because they get fed so much stuff from the team and it's sort of tough to separate yourself. Like you're, you're naturally going to have blinders on. And hey, maybe to their credit too, I mean, they've seen a lot of good Tom Wilson. So it's tough when one of these things sort of pops up to, to crush the guy too much. But I know what I've seen. I feel like I've seen enough. I mean, it's it's just it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. And don't tell me you can't run around and hit people and do it legally. Right. Ryan Reeves is Exhibit A. 
he hits the crap out of people. 99.9% of the time, he does it perfectly within the rules. There's nothing that says Tom Wilson can't hit anybody. I realize that's what he has to do to make a living. But I don't understand why Jonathan Marchessault needs to hit the way he got hit last night. You know, Brian Dumoulin, was it Alex Wedberg from Columbus, Zach Astor, come on. And none of those things needed to happen the way they did. And I, The sample size is large enough to me to, to say that this guy, he goes looking for the stuff, he goes looking for it illegally, he does it, but you know what, Adam, to his credit, the NHL isn't stepping up and doing anything. So if they're not going to put cops on the road or, or police what you're doing, wouldn't you speed too? I know I would. And I do. <laughs> Jason Maggie no, joining us. No, I don't. You I'm act a... like a Kia, don't you? You can barely get up to the speed limit. That's fair. Jason Mackey joins us here on the Crowley Show. In fact, I one time got pulled over for doing 88 and a 55 in the Kia, uh, which cost me a lot of money. And it was very, what do you what do you say here? It was very bittersweet. Because I set the record for the fastest ever that a Kia Rio has gone at the same time also getting pulled over for it. Uh, Jason, I think this does put to bed at least a narrative that Ryan Reeves would have prevented the Zach Aston Reese hit from happening in the Penguin series, no? No, no nobody's going to prevent Tom Wilson from being a thug. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I understand why Jim Rutherford did what he did, and I'm not criticizing the Ryan Reeves move. If anything, if I'm going to criticize the Ryan Reeves move, I'm going to criticize why he wasn't used more. Um, I liked him as a player. I liked him as a player in Pittsburgh. I didn't like him as a guy playing three or four minutes a night in a useless role. Yeah, it didn't make I mean, sense. I don't, I don't understand why why you're doing that. If, you, if that's what you're going to do, why get him in the first place? But run him out there eight, eight to ten minutes a night. Let him do what he's doing right now for Vegas. No, he's got not going to score a lot of goals. But they're going to do what they've done you know, for the top two series, which is be really effective. So uh, to answer that question or, or to, to make your earlier point, I mean, they're, Reeves wasn't preventing it. Um, Gordy Howe wouldn't have prevented it. Ty Domi wouldn't have prevented it. Like, it's just it's stupidity that's going to keep existing until the league prevents it. If the Vegas Golden Knights win this series, and it goes a lot like last night, now we're playing uh, the made-up hypothetical game here, but there are a lot of goals scored. Uh, it's Marc-Andre Fleury, no matter what, for them, I'd think. Um, if the Capitals were to win it, in this kind of high-paced, up-and-down goal-scoring series. Uh, I do wonder if Marc-Andre Fleury would still be the guy. I think he'd still be my guy, but the numbers would definitely take a significant hit. I I hope that doesn't happen. Me too. I mean, I, I, I just... I didn't vote for Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy because I don't know how valuable you can be on a non-playoff team. I would never vote for Marc-Andre Fleury as a losing you know, on the losing team for the Consmite Trophy. I just, I, I don't believe in it. Okay. Like, you have to have somebody on the winning team who is more valuable. And if that happens the way you're saying, I guarantee you Alex Ovechkin puts up a bunch of numbers. And how can you look at this and say what his game has been this postseason, offensively, um, defensively, all around, leadership? How, if Washington would win this thing, uh, how would you look at that and say Alex Ovechkin isn't your Smythe Trophy winner? I mean, that's that's what it would be for me anyway. Jason, can I ask you an NBA question? You can ask me whatever you want, Tom. Whoa, I wouldn't open it up that far. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not promising you I would, I'll answer, but you can ask me whatever you want. Uh, I'm going to have the, a raging debate with producer Tom coming up in about, oh, nine or so minutes on the show because he thinks that both NBA final series were 
outstanding because they went seven games. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand the entertainment value there. Uh, I like the NBA. I watch both series as well. But to me, if none of the games or only a couple of the games of the seven are entertaining, that doesn't, to me, mean it's an entertaining series. What say you? Um, I'm going to go with producer Tom. No! On that one. Yes! No! Yes! No! All right, tell me why, please. I am, man. I, 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 don't, I don't see how the NBA playoffs aren't entertaining right now. I, I love it. I mean... I've long maintained I wish I could watch more of the NBA than I do just because of hockey duties. Um, I, I made fun of it in a tweet last night saying, you know, if it was the NBA, there would be a stretcher out there. And I do think there's some over-dramatization of injuries. But I, it's fun, man. Like, why do why does every game need to be, like, you know, a two- or three-point differential? Like, well, how about, more than, how, about more, seven? how about more than two out of seven, though, Mackie? I mean, come on. Yeah, could they be more entertaining? Yes, I'm sure they could, but I'm not – you give me two seven-game series? I'm, I'm not going to sit there and complain about that. That's good enough. There's drama. There's storylines. There's stuff. I, I, I guess I wish there was a little bit more parity in the NBA, like if it wasn't Cleveland and Golden State every year. But I don't know. I'm a Golden State fan, so I guess I shouldn't complain too much. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I asked the wrong person that question, Jason. I, well, you knew it. You, you know it. I mean, you knew what you were getting into, pal. I texted you last night. I said, go Warriors, man. Let's see what I happens. know. Go Dubs. Yeah, go. Oh, boy. Go Dub V. Uh, thanks for your time, buddy, as always. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. You got it, pal. Take care. You'd be good out there. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. The always wrong Jason Mackey of the Post Gazette. I don't even know why we have him on to talk hockey. I, mean, I love that guy. That guy doesn't I know anything guy. about anything. He spoke truth there. No. Why, do you, why do you hate the NBA, Corrales? I don't hate the NBA. What personal bias do you have against the NBA? I just think real? that right now, right now, the NBA is having its tires inflated when they don't need their tires to be overinflated. The games are great. The series are okay. They're not as good as people are making them out to be. Graves just said you're wrong. No, it was Mackie. Now <laughs> you're Mackie, wrong. It's bad. a Crowley my show. <laughs> Tom and I are going to be mad at each other coming up in a few minutes. What do you mean going to be? Well, Tom and I are going to We're going to bring it over under the air in a few minutes. <laughs> I put up a Twitter poll. Is a playoff series automatically good if it goes seven games? 100% of the people voting say no right now. I voted on my own poll. Someone. Okay. One vote. 100% say no. And that's the side I come down on. Tom comes down on the side of yes. And he's been enthralled by the NBA action. I have thought it's been entertaining, but it hasn't had all the drama I need. Meanwhile, to me, Stanley Cup playoffs give me everything I need. Everything I need. Everything I want. Right here in my vein. But before we get to that, we go around the bags. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. Did you guys see the end of that Capital Vegas game last night? I once had a dream that I got to first base with Lars Eller, but then he couldn't finish the job. Elias Diaz is down and out. And Clint Hurdle... Wants to know how they didn't give him a double play. We're going to take another look here. Right now it's 5 nothing Cubs. Looks like a clean slide. Yeah, it's a clean play. Um. <laughs> I mean, the rule is you can't go out of your way to blow up a catcher at home plate, but Anthony sliding towards the plate. Oh! 
He's all over home plate as he makes contact with the catcher. Yep. As they continue yeah, to launch. Right thing. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good baseball play. They continue to apologize or not apologize for Anthony Rizzo. That is the Cubs broadcast. The Cubs broadcast, according to Major League Baseball, has been deemed to be wrong. Uh, as was Joe Madden. As Major League Baseball now says, that eh, should have been out. And should have been out at first base, too. So you're wrong, Madden. You're wrong, Cubs broadcasters. And you can suck it! Ryan Reeves doesn't get to... Second base. Very often. But when he does, he always finishes the job. Forget the four-man outfield for these Pittsburgh Pirates. That's the new move, right? That's what they're saying they're going to do. Well, we'll find a way for Meadows to get in there from time to time. We'll rotate through the guys. Here's an idea. You've lost eight games of your last ten. That means you've won two of your last ten. That's a 20% winning percentage. That's not good. When you've got a player who's playing well, Austin Meadows, and you've got a player that's playing bad, Gregory Polanco, why don't you put the hot guy in for the sucky guy? Uh, we don't need to talk OPS plus here. Uh, we don't need to talk about weighted on-base average. We don't need to talk about that. We got to say you put in the good guy for the sucky guy. You put in a good player for the player who stinks. And Polanco will figure it out at some point, but he just needs to be unplugged. I may not figure it out in terms of being a star player in this league, but he'll figure it out and be the league average player he's been. Eventually, take advantage of the hot guy now. See what Meadows can provide for a long stretch. No four-man outfield, three-man outfield with Gregory Polanco on the bench. Anthony Rizzo always goes to third base with his legs in the air, baby. The Pirates have lost eight out of ten. That's it. They've lost eight out of ten. They're a bad baseball team right now. And this coming on the heels of everyone telling me, you're missing the Pirates being good. You're missing them being good. And you know what? They were actually right. I did miss them be good. Because they're not good anymore. And they're not going to smell first place again for the rest of the season, something I said last week. What are they now? Six games back in Milwaukee? Oh, man. Oh, that stinks. They're still in wild card spot, right? Oh, wait, no, they're not. They're three games above 500, and we'll see how much longer... That that lasts. Tom Wilson believes... Going for home. Can only happen from behind. John Lester, 4-2 with a 2.37 ERA, will make his 14th career start against the Pirates tonight. Lester is 5-5 five five with a 3.50 ERA when facing the Bucks. And for your Pirates, is he going to hit Rizzo or no? Rookie Nick Kingham... 2-1 with a 3-4-4 ERA will make his fourth career start on Tuesday. Kingham is filling in for Nova, who was placed on the 10-day disabled list Monday with what they say is a sprained ring finger. Uh, I say he's a bad pitcher. Hi! That'll do it for another edition of Around the Bags. Before I finish this one off, I'd like to extend my thoughts and prayers to Ellie Diaz, suffering from that brutal plantar fasciitis the other day. I fascist many planters in my day, Ellie. It doesn't get any better from here. Back to you, Adam. Would you hit Rizzo tonight, Tom? 
the first pitch that he's at the plate, it goes right between the numbers. You'd have hit him last night. It should have been the first at bat last night after the play. Yeah. Brian, you hitting him? I'm hitting him twice in a game. (laughs) Honestly. Yes. You don't get away with that crap. Come on. Make up for not doing it yesterday. Even if it's legal, even if if that is a legal thing, you still throw at the guy. Because you don't you don't go after your catcher like that. Don't go after anybody like that. I think it's a chicken bleep move that the Pirates did not throw at him. And it was Rich Rodriguez who had the opportunity. I wonder if Clint Hurdle has an edict. If Hurdle says you can do it or not. Uh, if Clint Hurdle says you have to do it or you don't have to do it. Probably not. Uh, I think it's difficult to ask somebody to hurt another human being. That being said, Rich, Richie, Richard, don't be a D. Oh, I should have said it. Made the joke a lot funnier. Rich. Richie, Richard, don't be a dick. Hit him with the ball. I don't want to root for a baseball team that doesn't stick up for its baseball players. Joe Madden was wrong yesterday. Wrong. Flat out wrong. Said it was a baseball play, and he stuck up for his guy. He said everything that you probably should say in that situation. He said... He did the right thing. He said it's a baseball play. He said that's the way they should be teaching kids to do it. He went that far because he wanted to have his guys back. And the Pirates pitching staff, Clint Hurdle, perhaps, didn't have the back of young Elias Diaz. If it's Cervelli, I wonder what happened. If it's Buster Posey on the Giants, I wonder what they do. They're drilling him in the face. I don't condone that, but they're drilling him in the face. If it's Buster Posey for the Giants, the benches might straight up clear the well, second that Rizzo. They probably should have cleared yesterday for the Pirates. They should have. Should have. Absolutely. Clint Hurdle comes out to argue. I understand trying to do the right thing in the letter of the law and get the runs off the board. But if I'm the rest of the team, when I see Clint Hurdle marching out there with his two new hips, I'm losing my bleep and going out there too. I'm not letting. Anthony Rizzo, do that to my catcher. I don't care if he's a star catcher. I don't care if he's your backup catcher. You're not letting that guy do that. And the Pirates have been bullied by teams for years. You go back a couple of years, and the Cincinnati Reds used to do it all the time. Used to hit McCutcheon all the time. And the Pirates never responded in a timely fashion. Never! Now, McCutcheon was super badass. Do you remember when he got hit by Chapman in the ninth inning, 102 miles an hour, and walked down to first base without even blinking an eye? That's badass. But that doesn't send the message the way charging the mound sends the message. That doesn't send a message the way the bench is clearing sends a message. And it sure as bleep doesn't send a message the way that drilling a guy in the small of the back does. And it's tough for Nick Kingham, who's a young guy going into a really good lineup tonight. The Cubs have a plus 70-some-odd run differential. They're a good baseball team. They've got a good lineup. And you're going to ask him to put them on base? It's tough for him. But you want these guys to believe in you? You want to be up here for a while? Drill. You want to be a Pittsburgh Pirate and not an Indianapolis Indian? You drill. We'll see what happens. 412922874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I already got some tweets pouring in, boys. On my Twitter poll, at underscore Adam Crowley. Are you going to read only the ones that are in favor of you? I will absolutely not. 
Okay. Is a playoff series automatically good if it goes seven games? 42% of the listeners right now say yes. 58% are on my side. They say no. Rob tweets, I would also say a playoff game is not good when the defense and goalie give up four-plus goals. Ooh, Rob. That's, uh, oh. I'm looking for drama. And scoring always is preferred by the casual fan. That's why the NFL is going the way of the offense. That's why the NBA has been as popular as it's been because of offense. So I think scoring four goals is quality. I don't think the goaltenders played poorly last night. I think both teams played well. When they're coming back and forth at each other like that, that's what makes Perfect. it. If it's a shutout, then yeah, that's that's dumb and boring. But when teams are slugging it out like that, that makes it exciting. It's awesome. Yep. That's when it's great. When you've got both teams scoring goals. There are 10 goals scored. One of them empty net. It was 2-1 Washington, then it's 2-2, then it's 3-2, then it's 3-3. That's badass! Ed says, I'm on Adam's side that these NBA Conference Finals were dull. I like them close. Four close games is better than seven dull ones. Then again, that's why I don't watch that diarrhea. Oh, no. Wish you would have come on a little less strong there, Ed. Now it makes me think you just hate the NBA. Yep, that's where that's coming from. I don't agree with that point at all, though. That's not the point that I'm making. Four close games better than seven not close ones. No way a sweep is better than, no. than a seven-game series, ever. But I have watched good Stanley Cup finals where it's five games, and it's a hell of a series. That Washington, uh, pardon me, Washington, that was 1998. That New York and Los Angeles series a couple of years back was five games. Four of the five went to overtime. That was sweet. That was five games of pure drama. Oh, you're not into that, Tom? Yeah, I mean, if it was such a good series, give me two more games then. It was entertaining for all five. I got more entertainment out of those than you did for seven games. Because only two of them in the Western Conference Final were close. We'll get into it full bore when we come back. At underscore Adam Crowley. 412-922-2874. Line up on my side. Line up on Tom's side. Does a series that goes seven games automatically make it a great series? I say no. Tom says yes. I'm right. He's wrong. It's a Crowley show.